Mindfulness Mode 353. You know, the best camera is the one that you have with you when something needs to be photographed. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce Langford, your host and creator, where you can reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness because I interview guests from all walks of life who have practiced mindfulness and who have found that the mindfulness in their lives has helped them to achieve a higher level of success. So you can learn from all of these featured guests. Do you work in corporate? Or maybe you have a team of employees. You know, you might have a whole lot of different people you've worked with on teams. Here's how you can reduce stress and increase happiness, productivity, and profitability in the workplace. You can download this free resource that I've put together. It's 10 simple and effective ways to increase mindfulness in the workplace now concrete ways you can dig right in and specifically help your employees become more mindful and therefore be more productive, be happier, and help you to do better in your job. Once your employees are happier, productivity will definitely increase. You can download this free resource at mindfulnessmode.com slash workplace P. And the P stands for productivity. And today's guest worked in corporate for a very long time, and he doesn't now, but Bob is a photographer, and he's a truly mindful photographer. He meditates, and he looks at the world through mindful eyes, and he tells us in this episode how he chooses what to photograph and how he uses mindfulness to be a better photographer. So sit back relax and enjoy my interview with my featured guest Bob Younger. It's great to be here today and I'm here with Bob Younger and I'm so excited to talk to you Bob about photography. Hey Bob are you in mindfulness mode today? Bruce I am in mindfulness mode. That's great. And there is a huge connection between photography and mindfulness, I believe, and I'm pretty sure you do too. So I can't wait to talk about all that. But Bob, first, before we do, what does mindfulness mean to you? Oh, Bruce, well, I guess it's a moment-to-moment awareness of where I am and what I'm doing and who I'm with. It's paying attention to what's happening around me, but also paying attention to uh, what's trying to go on in my mind and things like that, um, but, but maintaining a focus on where I am and what I'm doing, it, um, whether I'm talking to somebody or whether I'm making a photograph um, and focusing on what's important. Um, and so not, not, not being distracted by the other millions of things that my mind wants to do, um, all the threads it wants to lead me down and all the conversations it wants to rehearse that'll never happen. And so it's, it's, it is being mindful of what I'm doing and what I'm doing right now. And, um, and not, uh, not wandering off into other realms. Well, it sure is easy to wander off. I know I've done that a number of times and wow, not a number of times, millions of times, you know, my mind has wandered off. But you mentioned focus and that is one of the things that 
of course, connects us with photography. But here's my question. With photography, I think you're always thinking about, you know, can I take a picture of this? Can I take a picture of that? How do you stay mindful so that you can truly stay in the moment and enjoy it without thinking, oh, just a second, maybe I need to reach for my camera right now? How do you do that? Well, for one thing, when, I, when I'm out and about, I'm not... I used to be I went out to take pictures. Um, right. I went out to make photographs. And, mm-hmm. and well, that was the intent. And, and I, took a, I took the camera because that was my intent to go out and do that. And, and now I have, as, as I have become more and more aware of interconnectedness with everything, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I much less go out to make a photograph. I go out to be out, to be somewhere, to be with people or to be out in the wilderness, which is really my preference. And, and I wait for things to speak to me. I don't necessarily go try to take pictures of things that just because I think it's pretty or, or attract or somehow interesting or something like that. So part of it is I, when I'm being mindful to where I am the whole time I'm out and or hopefully all the time, but um, nobody's perfect. And so, so I, I see. I'm trying to. If I'm walking down a trail, I'm I'm looking at all the things around me. Um, I'm aware of all the things that are going on around me. I'm aware of the pull of gravity keeping me grounded. The sun's warmth. But if I have to, if I find something or something reaches out to me and says. In, in the vernacular, perhaps photograph me, then I, I pay attention to that, um, like paying attention to my breath in, 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 a, in a meditation practice. Um, and that, by the way, has helped a whole lot to, it, with my photography, but learning to recognize when my thoughts are wandering all over the place and learning to recognize and learning to bring my thoughts bring my mind back to what it is that I'm working on, what I'm photographing, back to where I am, what I'm doing has is, is huge. And and so when you ask how do you, how do I keep focused, that's how I do it moment by moment. Just like in in meditation, breath by breath. Maybe it's not breaths, but maybe it's it's you know, noticing when I'm wandering off, noticing when the dog barking down the trail is distracting me or the kids screaming somewhere off in the woods is distracting me and knowing how to let those things go and come back to being here with this subject that I'm photographing. Well, Bob, I'm so glad you made the parallel between meditation and photography because I think that's really important and I'm going to be talking to you about your meditation and before I do I want to share with our listeners a little bit more about you I mean we all know you're a photographer but here's a little bit more about you that I think everybody will will find fascinating Bob Younger is a photographer with a thorough understanding of connectedness You've already learned that with what he's already said. His passion for photography began in grade school when he received a brownie star mite camera at Christmas. 
Gradually, he moved to larger format cameras, slowing down and adopting a mindful approach to photography. He discovered the value of building an emotional connection with his subjects. Today, Bob teaches how to achieve deep emotional communication between photographer, subject, and photograph. And you've already talked about that. I want to ask you what meditation is like in your life. Do you meditate every day? How long is it? What type of meditation is it? Can you share that with us? I can. I, I do meditate every day. Um, and for roughly a half an hour. Um, I do it before I open the computer and before I look at my phone. <laughs> and um, and I, it's sort of a combination of guided meditation. Um, I, I use an application that, that helps with the sort of getting started in the morning and the, so the first 10 minutes or so, or it's usually a, a guided meditation with a little lesson or something about mindfulness um, and or meditation. And then, uh, and then I usually spend then um, the rest of the time uh, 20 minutes to a half hour, um, just in silent meditation. Um, and again, as, as you know, and as everyone else who's done meditation knows, um, it's, it's a, it's mostly recognizing when my mind has wandered off somewhere else and then bringing it back. And I focus on, I use the breath as my focus point and, and, uh, have, um, slowly, learn to follow my breath all the way through and it is not it, it is a it is a practice and <laughs> it is um i i actually believe that the recognition that one of the biggest things that i gain from meditation is being able to recognize early when my mind is headed off down one of those multi-threaded paths or whatever and being able then to bring come back to my breath and then be able to let go to let those things go most of them are meaningless and most of them have no business you know they just they just need to go (laughs) things every now and then i'll i'll come you know something will come up and i'll go okay you can sit right out there at the edge and and we'll get back to you when we're done here and uh, but being able to recognize that, but ninety nine point nine percent of the the things just need to wander off and go away, and, right? And but learning to do that is is huge in terms of not just photography, but in terms of life, in terms of you and I having this conversation and being each of us being mindful that we're here with this other person and and talking with them and listening to them. Um, meditation is, is a, a huge part of being able to do that. And, um, I, I realized, uh, my, my coming to meditation, my coming to understand mindfulness as I do now came about because I recognized something in myself many years ago when I was, when I would be out photographing, I would recognize this sea change in how I felt about things and and how focused up and it was it was long it was a long process to realize that 
I was very different. I approached things very differently when I was paying attention to something I wanted to photograph. And, and I would let all this stuff go and I wouldn't pay attention to all of the fake conversations that my brain wanted to rehearse and all of the little things, the sweat dripping in my eyes and the mosquito biting me and things like that, that would normally have just taken me off into another world. Um, I, I noticed that I didn't, didn't do that when I was photographing. And so as I began to study more, I, I, uh, I began to recognize that, oh, somebody else has already recognized this and thought about it and written books about it. And you can take advantage of how to learn from this. So, so some of the, you know, early books just were more of a wake up call to me to say, this is what you're doing when you're out there photographing. It doesn't have to just be when you're photographing. And so it's, it's, it, I've come at, I, somebody was asking me one time about how I got to meditation. I came into meditation kind of backward through the back door. I recognized that I was doing this when I was out photographing and then, and then sort of thought, oh, well, maybe there's a little bit more rigor I can apply to, to this and, and maybe there's more to learn. I think that's just that, great. I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like photography brought you to mindfulness and then through that it brought you to meditation and it just all connected, right? Yep. That's, that's very, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. That's, good, that's good really, note. that's really cool. And so what were you like as a child? I know you got that brownie camera, probably were you a young child when you got the camera? Uh, about second grade. Yeah. And so and, uh, what were you like as a second grade child? Show me a, a day in your life. Uh, what was I like? I was, um, let's see, I was probably, I, I, I don't ever remember being secure in who I was. Um, I was, wasn't stupid. I mean, I'm, I wasn't stupid. I did okay in school. Um, uh, we moved around a lot um, mm -hmm. when I was growing up. And so um, I went to three different elementary schools, two different junior high schools and four different high schools. So growing up for me was um, was moving around a lot mm -hmm. and and kind of making friends. But um, in retrospect, as I look back on it, as I you know looked back on life, I realized I really never developed any close friends. And I'm not, I'm not in touch with anybody that I ever knew growing up. Mm -hmm. So, um, but um, I, I never, so I never established um, a community. Uh, I was never a part of a community as I was growing up. I was always alone for the most part because if, if, I, if we were somewhere long enough, I was probably uh, getting ready to move anyway. So right. it, it was a... It was a, it was an okay life. I mean, I learned to adjust. I learned to be a part of, you know, I learned to jump into places and, um, but I also never developed the long-term relationships that, that many people did when they grew up and went to high school with the same people they went to elementary school with and then even went off to college with some of those same people. I, I never had that. Well, you recently retired from your, your lifetime job. Tell us about your career and what you retired from. Uh, I retired from the federal government. Um, I was a, um, what's, what's known in the federal government as a program manager. 
And um, it's, uh, it is the case that whenever the government wants to build anything or buy anything or maintain anything, they, they have to find this person called the program manager. And we had, we had the skills and the, the to bring people together. Um, we understood how to not go to jail, <laughs> doing things wrong. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it was a good thing. Yeah. And, and, uh, and we knew how to work money. We yeah. we knew how to work the politics. Did you so enjoy I your did, career? I you know I did enjoy my career. I I had a um, uh, I had a, a really good time. I worked with a wonderful a, group, a lot of wonderful people, and that's probably the one thing I miss. I really don't. I will say I I really enjoy retired life, and mm-hmm. and I entire, enjoyed having more time to do the things that I want to do, but. I do miss the people. The people were great to work with, and um, and it was it was for me incredibly rewarding to be able to help people achieve what they wanted to achieve, to help other people understand how to you know get past problems, how to recognize problems for what they really were, and how big they really, and mostly help people recognize problems for how big or how not big most of them really were. Right. And um, and that that um, I guess the other one, the other thought would be that um, getting people to work together was incredibly rewarding for me. Um, I I I cherished that, and 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 I went into a number of. I, I turned out I was often picked to go rescue something that was a disaster, and and I learned. Um, that I had, you know, I could help people work together and, and, uh, someone, I, I went to a retirement party recently and, and, um, someone paid me probably the highest compliment. I think I, I, any, you could pay anyone. And they said when they worked for me, they worked with me for, for, for several years. And they said, um, you know, Bob, whenever I, uh, run into a really tough situation or things have really gone bad. He says, I asked myself, what would Bob do? And I, I just, I, 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 even now it just gets me just to, just to hear him say that again. Yeah, that's great because you're, you're obviously a very calm person and you, you obviously bring that to other people and you make them feel a certain level of comfort. So that is terrific what you gained from, from, well, I don't know whether you gained it from your career or your, your career uh, benefited from what your quality was, but that's fantastic. Now, today you in, are involved in photography even more. Are you a professional photographer or, photographer, or do you consider yourself like more of a hobbyist? Well, on a technical level, I don't make my living in photography. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I worked very hard to be in a financial position where I did not have to make a living from photography. Right. I can, I, I can be retired, and I can do the kind of photography that I want to do. And what is that? Well, the the things that I photograph are nature, architecture. Um, I love old detritus, whether it's you know backcountry detritus or industrial. I uh, I love old things. Um, a lot of abstract work, um, 
not necessarily um, able to tell what it is or where it is or things like that. But mostly, I, I will tell you, most mostly what I gain from photography today is the experience of connecting with the things that I'm photographing. The experience is is as important to me as making a photograph. And and I will many times I will go out, I will set up the camera and think that this is this is a great subject to photograph. And in the end, I'll I won't have established that connection with it and I'll pack up the whole camera and not never have pushed the shutter button. So um it's it is really more to me these days about going places and experiencing things and occasionally making a photograph um and and then sometimes i because i practice what's called visualization um i try to visualize what i want this print and usually the result mm -hmm. what this print to look like and if i realize that um as as appealing as the subject is um i do not have the tools uh, or the chemicals or the, the 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 tools on the computer to make this what it was i want it to be and where and, did you learn visualization well going way back to probably the uh the late 70s, 70s um the previous century for, for some of your younger viewers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a few years ago, um, yeah. Um, they um, studied some of um, uh, other photographers' work, Ansel Adams and uh, Minor White. That was a big influence on me. And uh, their, 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 their notion of visualizing what you wanted something to look like and then exposing the film in those days um, in order to enable you to achieve that once you started making a print in a dark room. Okay. And so, um, so a lot went into it, how much exposure, um, obviously the composition and all those kind of things. And at, in those days, it was a lot of, this was just a technical skill that, to learn. And uh -huh. um, it is only um, maybe in the last say, 20 years or so uh, been been part of um, much more of a understanding the connectedness and with the subjects. Um, before I, I really did take pictures that I thought people would like. And that was my motivation for why I would make a picture because people will like this and, and maybe somebody would buy it. Right. But, yeah. And, um, but, um, and if you're a professional photographer, so getting back to your question, I'm sorry, this is a, I was a long way around my elbow to get to my thumb. Getting back to your question about am I professional, uh, a professional photographer has to make photographs that, that sell, uh, whether they're an artistic photographer and they're making their living off of this or whether they're a professional wedding photographer or whatever else, they have to make photographs that people will like and people will buy. And and I didn't want to be in, in the position of having to do that. so. Um, so I make the photographs that I want to make that, that connect me with what it is that I'm photographing and that are a result of that visualization. I want to ask you, what was it like going through that transition of going from film photography 
into digital photography? I know that it was not an instant transition, but did you find it fairly easy to transition or did you use mindfulness to make that transition? What was it like for you? Uh, <laughs> in truth, I still have a, a very large dark room and I still use my primary camera that I use is an eight by 10 view camera with film, which is a um, film camera with, with, with eight by 10 inch pieces of film. So uh, you still use it. film camera. So wow. I still use film and, uh, I don't, I do have a digital camera. Um, and it's not that, and I, um, I don't, and I, I use it, uh, but it is not what I would think of as my prime camera. Mm -hmm. Um, on the other hand, I, when I teach classes in photography or workshops, um, people often will ask, so what's the best camera? And usually they're thinking Nikon or Canon or, sure. or whatever. And usually I tell them, you know, the best camera is the one that you have with you when something needs to be photographed. And, and so, you know, if I'm on a hike and I'm going light, I'll have just have my iPhone with me and I'll, I have no problem at all getting out my iPhone and, and making a, making a photograph of something that's reached out to me. And, but if I had my druthers, I'd have my eight by 10 camera, but that's sure. 60 pounds of gear. And, and, um, and if I'm out for, to walk, um, then I'm just out to walk and, and pay attention to things. And I don't uh, necessarily always carry that, all that with me. Well, I'm glad you mentioned iPhone because I mean, we all have our phones with us and I, I think most people use them to photograph from time to time. So yeah, it's good to hear you address that. I want to shift and ask you about a tragedy that happened in your life in 2003 when you narrowly escaped California wildfire. I think it was like the most severe California wildfire that had been recorded up to that time. And Tell us about what that was like and if there was any element of photography whatsoever. Did you go back and photograph or whatever? I'd just like to know what that was like from your viewpoint. Um, I'll start with scary. Yeah. Um, we did, we did literally, literally drive through the fire to get out. We blistered the paint on the car. Um, wow. with the heat from outside. So, um, so it was, it was frightening. Um, the term scared spitless took on a whole new term. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I guess. And your, your wife wrote an amazing book about it, The Fire Outside My Window, where she described it in vivid detail and it just pulled me right in. And that's why I wanted to hear your perspective. And I just wanted to interject there with the name of the book so our listeners can check it out, The Fire Outside My Window. But please continue, Bob. Okay. Um, I did not uh, I, I often look back and think I didn't make a single photograph that whole time we were trying to get out of there. Um, but there was really no time. I, it, it, practicality would have, you know, was probably an important thing there. Um, I did come back afterwards and, and I did make a lot of photographs, um, around here and some for record is to say, okay, this is what was here and things like that. But some really were from my heart, uh, sort of looking back thinking, you know, I think what I photographed was the, the fact that this place, um, 
was was important to us and it wasn't just the house that was important to us because we realized really shortly afterwards that we wanted to come back to this place and we even bought a little trailer and put it up here so that we could come back here on weekends and and i actually ended up living out here during the building because it, there was so much going on but we wanted to be here at in this place on our little side of our mountain and uh and and that was the, what was important so the so yes i did i did uh make some photographs here and and uh, some of it was the just the land and and the burn and then some of it um was you know like there was a little bird with a twig in its mouth and and it was it you know just days after the fire it was already starting to rebuild its nest and and uh, build a new home so that was that was a little burden i touched by each other so cool and is that partly what inspired you to rebuild in that same location you just were moved by nature that way you know we that kept us going but really and truly that even from like the next day we i came back up here uh, we left here early sunday morning and i came back up here on monday and and it was no i we sort of knew right away no we we, we want to stay here this is where we want to be this is we want to rebuild our home and um so so yeah um and we've never found another i one of the things that that we realized after after all the years of living in other places was we had resided in a lot of places and and we realized when we got up here that this is a place we really lived and and it it was a very qualitative and quantitative difference in our appreciation for for this place and um so so yeah it's a it was a it was a scary time it, we were really glad to make it out uh as you as you read in the book 12 yeah. of our neighbors didn't make it out and they were doing exactly the same thing we were doing they were yeah. trying to drive out through the smoke and the flames and and uh and we made it and uh, some didn't so and they didn't what was the most devastating thing you lost in the fire um for me personally the most devastating thing was all of the negatives and and photographs that i had made through my life to that point mm -hmm. and so i i lost all of that um some people who had prints had of some of the work gave it back to me after the fire, recognizing that I would never be able to, to uh, print it again. But, but losing you know, 35 years of, of work um, was, was, was pretty devastating. On the other hand, I, um, I, it, I moved, it, it was not hard to move past it. It was not hard to say, I'd, I had the opportunity to start again and I have, a, I, and, and so, you know, as there's no point in wallowing in this, um, mm -hmm. it's time to get a new camera and, and start again. Um, we were fortunate that our insurance, you know, for the, they, they couldn't replace the, the pictures, but, but they, they, you know, the, the insurance was good and I was able to get new equipment and, and get back to work. 
as a photographer. So that was really worthwhile. Right. It sounds like it. Um, Bob, as we move toward the end of the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? Uh, I think Richard Rohr um, has probably been one of the biggest influences in my life. Um, we've attended a number of his conferences and read a number of books and listened to a, a lot of his work on CD and, and tape, going all the way back to tape. But no, Richard Rohr probably has been one of the biggest influences in terms of, specifically in terms of mindfulness. Yeah, he's a very inspirational mindfulness teacher. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Bob? Mindfulness, uh, is, as Sandra would probably tell you, I used to operate right at the edge. And um, it didn't take very much, even, even Sandra going, can I ask you a question, would emotionally put me at the edge uh, or over. And uh, so, um, so mindfulness and meditation have moved me to separate that a whole lot further away. And I'm not really sure where the edge is right now, but I haven't been there in a long time. Mm. Interesting. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. This is where meditation has really helped. It's because I realized that a breath is now and and it's sort of the smallest part, it's sort of the smallest piece of life that I can sort of separate out from the rest. And so I've learned that breathing, whether it's during meditation or whether it's just during the day, um, whatever I'm doing, it's, it, it, it enables me to say, no, this, this is the breath. This is right now. And take a breath. And, and, and let's take the next breath. And so it, I've been able to sort of bring my bring, bring time back to this particular moment in time, this breath. And, uh, just as a, a, just, I know this can go over your 30 seconds, but I used to count in meditation one, two, three, and I was always getting discouraged when I get to like two or three and realized that I, there'd been a whole lot of breaths in there that hadn't been counted. And right. I, and I have a little bit of a competitive streak in me and it doesn't always serve me very well, but I realized I could just count one and then one again and then one again. And even during the day, I can just, if I find that I need to take a breath or recognize a breath, I'll just count, take one. And then when I wander off down the road and things like that, I just come back to one. So that's been really helpful to me. And when, when I choose to count, just only count to one because one is all you've got right now. I really like that piece of advice. That is excellent. If you could recommend a book related somehow to mindfulness, what would that be? Whoa. So I heard you ask this question to other people. And so I, I did look through. And if I was to if I was to say one book that has really uh, um, it sort of this was the book that that I read first when I realized, oh, this is what I'm doing. And when I'm out making a photograph, this is what's going on. And it's, this is the book, it's called The Zen of Creativity, Cultivating Your Artistic Life. And it's by John Dado Lurie. And um, 
And so that's the book. I don't know. And um, yeah, great. And um, that's the one that that sort of started me on the path of there's more to there's more to photography than taking pictures, and and there's more to life than jumping at whatever is happening right now, um, or or worrying about what's going to come, or regretting what happened in the past, and so. Um, that would be the one book that I have. I, there were, I, as I thought about it, there were several others that that came to mind, and uh, and I could probably even send you those or something like that. Sure. If, if, yeah, and I'll put them in right. the show notes. And yeah. listeners, yeah, feel free to go to the show notes, Mindful Tribe, because at mindfulnessmode.com, that's where we have all the show notes. And if you go there and then in the search bar, just type in Bob Younger you will find this episode and all the show notes. So yeah, do you have an app you recommend or do you know of an app that, that helps at all with mindfulness? The app I've found that helps me the most is the Calm. Right. Um, yeah, and uh, it, has, it has the daily 10-minute uh, meditation and that's usually what I start my day with. And then it has a number of other modes as well as some master classes in, you mm -hmm. know, living and uh, in mindfulness um, and meditation. So that's proved to be the the uh, app Good. most suitable to to me. That's great. Yeah, you are a truly mindful photographer. There is no doubt about that. I love how you've connected mindfulness to photography, mindfulness to life, and made it obvious through your explanations how important it is in your life and how important it can be in anybody's life bob how can we learn more about what you do i am teaching a workshop i do i will teach workshops here in the u.s i am teaching a workshop in september in mm -hmm. italy and i want to oh in italy oh yeah very cool have you been to italy before i have been to italy before and that's actually what motivated me to want to go teach this workshop over there because it's such a wonderful setting well, what is the setting and how long is the workshop? I want to hear all about it. Um, the workshop's a week long, uh, Saturday to Saturday, pretty much the last week of September. Mm -hmm. And it's in the Tuscany area, um, sort of between south of Florence. And uh, we stay in a thousand-year-old monastery. Wow. Been, obviously, it's been refurbished and, and uh, set up as a, a sort of a retreat center or a conference center. Uh -huh. And uh, all the food is prepared for us, and and uh, everything is. Uh, it's the wine. There's wine. <laughs> have you done this before, or is this the first time? Uh, I've not. This I have been to this place before, and it, and being there said, you know, this would be a wonderful place to teach yeah. about photography. And there was wine before too. <laughs> uh, there was wine. There, there's, <laughs> yes, there's there's lots of wine, and you don't. You don't teach after dinner. You, you, <laughs> okay. So you're teaching but, all through the day different aspects of photography then, I assume. Is it that you're teaching photography or mindfulness? Well, I'm teaching mindfulness as an approach to photography. Okay. So, so we will we'll study some in the mornings and then we'll go out for the day into the little villages and towns mm -hmm. and countryside and, and we'll practice practice mindfulness and practice photography. And then we'll come back in the evening and, and talk about our experience. Um, maybe look at a few photographs that, that people might've made. And then uh, the next day we'll do the same thing. And for uh, 
for about six days we do that and uh it's a it's a spectacular place it's it's a magical place uh, as you might imagine any thousand year old mm-hmm. monastery might be but also tuscany is has wonderful little old towns that have been there for longer than the u.s has been around right right and what is the <laughs> maximum number of people that you will be able to invite there with you you know i'm i'm trying to keep i'm keeping the workshop to eight people so eight and people. i still have i still have a few openings and okay. uh the link uh i can send you but it's also on my website yes um and uh, i think you have that you can post it in the notes but if yeah. you go to the blog part of my website uh the link to the workshop is there and the sign up and so your your website is uh, www.bobyounger.com. I, I tried to keep it simple. Right, bobyounger.com. <laughs> yep. That is simple yeah. and easy. So, uh, and I just think that would be an exciting and amazing lifelong memory that you would be creating by going on that that trip to Italy. I, That's I fantastic. hope to make it that. <laughs> Yeah, I hope to make it for everybody who comes and and also for myself. So, yeah, right. That's fantastic, Bob. Well, I'll put all of that in the show notes, along with your uh, website, bobyounger.com. It's been great talking with you. You're truly mindful, and I love how you're able to tie it in with photography because I love photography myself. I'm not, you know, I'm just a very uh, casual photographer. But I enjoy it, and I do see that tying it in with mindfulness is an obvious thing that you can do. So thanks very much for being with us today, Bob. Thank you, Bruce, for having me and for giving me a chance to, to tell everybody about a new approach, a different way of thinking. And, and I'm, I'm not alone in it, but, but uh, it's something that uh, I've experienced, and so I'm always glad to share it. Absolutely. Thanks again. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. Remember what I mentioned at the top of the show about whether you work in corporate, have teams of employees, and you want to reduce stress with those employees and help them to be more productive? You can download the free resource 10 Simple and Effective Ways to Increase Mindfulness in the Workplace Now. And once your employees are happier, you know, productivity will increase. Download the free resource at mindfulnessmode.com forward slash workplace p so remember subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air till next time mindful tribe use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode